Where you have, what is yours? But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own interest, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Now, before we go any further, I'm just going to stop right here because I have enough sense to realize something's going on today. How many of you all know there's been audio problems all over the place? Everybody else catch it? So we're just going to take care of it right now. All right, everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just take authority over whatever this gremlin is that's trying to disrupt your service to have your word not preached in peace today. We just take authority over it because he's defeated. He cannot interrupt anything that we do here in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I've been in the ministry 21 years now, and I have enough sense to know that those things just happen. And you just got to take authority over it or else it's just going to ruin your day. All right? So... Uh, in this story that we just read right here, uh, we read this story, a very familiar passage of scripture, where there is um, uh, guys that were given talents. Now, if you don't know what a talent is, now, it, when this story is talking about, uh, we're not talking about the ability to do something. Actually, the word talent is about 30 pounds of silver. So let's think about that for a minute. If, if it's about 30 pounds of silver is one talent, so the one guy that got five got about 150 pounds of silver. So this is a, a sizable investment, all right? This is his master giving him um, some resources to go out and do something, all right? But now the talent was given to him based on his current ability, all right? I got two pounds, the other guy got one pound, all right? Now I am a firm believer uh, in the fact that in this story, uh, the master was giving them something not to just make himself money, but to increase the capacity that his servants had at that point in time. All right. Now, I read a story one time. A pastor friend of mine actually wrote a story uh, in a book that he had. And he told a story about a guy in his church who came to him and he said, Pastor, I'm believing for this new job. And he said, great, what job is it? And it was an upper-level executive management position at a, at a really respectable company. And I think the guy at the current time worked at the company, but it was, in very, you know, it was just like labor. And he said, that's, that's awesome. He goes, did, did you, have, did you go through some, some kind of training for that? He said, no, pastor, but, man, I pay my tithes. And he said, okay, did you go... Did you go to school for it back in the day? And he said, nope, but I pay my tithes. And he said, okay, do you have experience being upper management somewhere else? He said, no, pastor, I've never done anything but hard labor my whole life, but man, I pay my tithes. He said, so I need you to get in agreement with me that I'm going to get this upper level, significant raise management position. And his pastor said, I'm sorry. I can't get in agreement with you on that. And the guy was so offended and so mad. Pastor, I pay my tithes. God redeems my money, and he, he's proud of me, and he loves me, and he's going to give me a promotion. He's going to give me the land. And he started giving all these, you know, confessions and things, you know. And, and, and I'm the head, not the tail. He started saying all these things that, that people, you know, in, in church like to say. And he said, I, I believe that God wants to do all that for you, but I can't get in agreement with you for that job because if you get that job, it's going to make your life right now worse. And he said, Pastor, how can you say that? I'd be making more money. I'd get more benefits. And he said, yes, and your stress level would increase and the employees would hate you because you don't know what you're doing. 
you would actually cause more harm to the company in your current state if you got that job than if you didn't. And then your stress level is going to go up. There's going to be all kinds of problems that you're not trained to handle. What, what would you do then? And he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And so the pastor and him worked out a deal where his pastor actually helped him pay to go to a, a community college and take some business administration and business leadership classes so that he'd know what he was doing if he did get the job. So the pastor actually paid part of it, sent him, helped him, you know, get his, get his life together and get his training together. The guy comes back and applies for a job uh, at the same company, not quite as high. I mean, he was wanting to go for like executive vice president or something. And he ended up giving him uh, getting a job in, in like senior management, but it wasn't like executive vice president. Like it wasn't that quite high, but he got like a fifteen or twenty thousand dollar a year raise. I mean, the guy really went up. But what was the difference in the in in the two stories here? The two stories is this: the guy had the capacity to handle a raise. And I honestly believe that in our lives, we're praying and we're asking God for things that we wouldn't know what to do with it if God dumped it in our laps. I mean, you know, we're, we're really, you know, I, I, I honestly believe God has more ability, power. I mean, he's just unlimited power in our lives. I mean, he has just got, um, I mean, he got the answer for everything you need. I mean, and we're trying to catch as much as we can, but this is us right now. We're asking God for everything. We're asking God for the, you know, oh, Lord, send us more anointing. Oh, God, send us more, you know, send us more money, more finances, more peace, more joy. But you know what? We've not increased ourselves to handle it if he, if he dumped it on us. And today I want to, I want to, and y'all should have got all, the, everybody should have got one of these when you walked in. I want to encourage you today that, to go from being a, a six ounce coffee cup to a big gulp today. You know, if, they, if, they, if, if you go into 7-Eleven, and, and these have been around for so long, I mean, the big gulp is a part of American history. I mean, I, I really, I mean, they, they tried to ban these just recently in, in New York City. And, uh. You know, and now they got the super big gulp and the ultimate big gulp, and then I think there's like a 55-gallon drum and some other kind of thing you can carry around. <laughs> but, but the, you know, I mean, how many of you, all right, now how, how many of you be non-religious enough to admit you like the movie Dumb and Dumber? It's, it is stupid, I agree, but I laugh hysterically every time, especially the one scene when they're driving and Jim Carrey comes walking out of 7-Eleven and there's a bunch of guys standing around the parking lot and he walks up to him and he goes, hey guys, how's it going? Well, big gulps, huh? All right, see you later. And just turns around and walk off. And I just lose it every time. But you know what? Ultimately in life, we're trying to catch an unlimited power source using this. And I'll be honest with you. I don't ever for one second pretend that I'm going to get to the point where I can catch all that God is. But I want to tell you, from this series, we're going to talk about we can at least go to catching Come on, more of what God has to offer us. Amen? We want to be big gulps today, all right? The dreams and hopes that you have for your life are being affected right now by your personal capacity. Your relationship with God, the way you want to have it, is being affected by your spiritual capacity, all right? 
Your capacity is the current ability that you have to handle something. Now, how many of you have ever prayed and believed God for something and didn't see it happen? Anybody ever had that happen? I've prayed, oh God, please, oh God, we need, oh God, I have. And you claim it and you tape the scripture on your, on your mirror or you write it on there and, you know, an erasable mark or whatever, somewhere where you can say it every day and, and, you, and you're just like, yes, God, and it's mine and I have it now and, and we do it and, and you, you go and nothing happens. And I'm not talking for like one or two days. I'm talking like years. You pray, and finally you just quit praying about it because it's like, well, you just kind of learn to live with it or you just learn a different way around it or you learn to kind of go in a different direction. You just kind of live with it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want to say this to you. Brother Hagen, and, and he's one of my mentors, some of you folks that aren't, haven't been with us very much, um, one of my mentors, Kenneth Hagen, said this, if you're praying and you're believing and you're standing on the word and you don't get the answer you're looking for, don't blame God. And I used to go, well, he's the one that's got all the control. And he, was, he said this way, it's always on our end why we don't get something. Always. And that used to offend me. I used to go, well, how dare you? You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know what I'm believing for. I mean, that's, that's a real heavy responsibility to lay upon us. But listen, if we can't handle it, if God dumped it in our lap, then yes, it is, it is on us. All right. If I was to take this, this little six-ounce coffee cup and stick it under a fountain, after I hit six ounces and I keep going, what's going to happen? It's going to just spill all over the floor and just become a, a mess. Now, you parents know what this is like. Those of you who have kids, this is already starting in your house. They don't know when to slow down. <laughs> they just keep on pouring. And then they go, whoop, 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 and it's just, by the end, it's everywhere. All right, We will never be able to contain all of God is, but we can contain more. My f- parents, uh, and, and before I go any further, and I hope I don't embarrass you, but Le- Leanne's here, and Leanne and I grew up together. Now, Le- my mom's watching right now. It's the only reason I'm doing this. Mom, Leanne's here today. All right, So um, Leanne's mom and my mom were best friends in high school, but it gets better than that. Her dad and my dad were best friends in high school, and then they all got married. And so we grew up together, and we would do crazy stuff. Like my parents would just, like one night we were all over my, my house, my parents decided, and her parents decided, let's just drive to Columbus, Ohio, and go to the J.C. Penney's outlet. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, we were both little, younger. I was never little. <laughs> anyway, I was younger. Um, so we just get in the back of this 1977 custom van. You know, everybody remembers those from the 70s, right? And we drive to, and that's the kind of relationship our families have had the whole, the whole time, all right? Now, what was the point of me telling that story? All right, in Kentucky, where we, where we grew up, there was a fellow that actually won the lottery uh, that lived up the road from, from my parents, just the next town over, and he won $154 million. Now, that's pretty good. Amen. He's living the dream. <laughs> the redneck dream. Okay. Now listen, this guy, this guy is the epitome of when you think, now, now all you folks, be honest, when you think of Kentucky, most people don't think horse racing and basketball. You think inbred hillbilly up in it. Come on, tell the truth. Yeah, exactly. People say, you think, they think, ding, 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 you know, country bear jamboree, you know. And so this guy 
epitomized that image. I mean, he's the reason, and, and I think everybody that's related to him is the reason that people think that of us, okay? I mean, he had the mullet pulled through the University of Kentucky basketball hat with the nicotine stains on the front of it, crooked teeth. I mean, he was, I mean, if he had teeth, he had a few teeth missing. All right, he wins the lottery for $154 million. Now, you'd think his life is now going to just be great and wonderful. You know, he got his teeth fixed and, you know, got his hair cut, you know, know, and and, and he bought this big mansion in, in down around Nashville up where all the country singers live, and everything's going great. He buys a yellow Lamborghini. And wait a minute, it's, just, it's, it's getting better. He jacks it up and puts mud tires on it. Hangs a big pole off the back with a Dixie flag hanging off the back of it. I mean, this is, the, this is, the, this is Redneck's dream right here. He buys a ring that's a serpent with ruby eyes. I mean, it's just like everything you would expect. Okay, now literally, in like less than five years, the guy declares bankruptcy. In five years, he blew through $154 million. Now, that, that totally hurts my heart because I could think what I could do with $154 million. But, but seriously, now, now here's why. He did not have the capacity to contain or handle $154 million. Now let's just imagine for a second, if the richest guy in the United States, at least, Bill Gates, is worth somewhere around $50 billion. If Bill Gates won $155 million, which I'm sure he's playing the lottery quite frequently. <laughs> but let's just say, for example, he wins it. Now, what's going to happen if Bill Gates wins $154 million? He's probably going to either give it to charity or turn it into another billion dollars because his capacity to handle $154 billion or million dollars is there. His capacity to handle fifty billion dollars is there. How do you know that? Because that's what he has now. All right? Before you can become what you want to be, you have to increase what you are. All right? Now, let's go back to our text that we were reading here in Matthew chapter 25. And in verse number 15, it says this, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And then immediately he went on a journey. Listen, the master identified the pre-existing ability of his servants, and then he matched the resources that were given them. All right? The current, their current ability had the capacity to increase what they had been given. All right? So if you look at what you have right now, what you have right now is there because of what you have the capacity to handle. That's, that's where you are. Now, I, I started thinking about this while I was writing this, and I was, and, and I was thinking, okay, that means for this church right now, we're able to handle about what you see here. This is what our capacity is right now. Now, I'm not just talking about the structure of the room, because we can always add more services. 
We can go to early service. We can do a Saturday night service. And I'm not talking about the structure. I'm talking about in place policy, procedure, you know, things like that are in place. That's what our capacity is. It's somewhere around 70, I think we did the count the other night. It's about 76. Now, if we had 76 people here all at the same time, we'd be sitting on top of each other in the floor up on the stage, and it'd be great, but, you know, but we'd be somewhere around that neighborhood, all right? That's what our capacity is. So in order to increase, if I want to see a bigger church, then I have to go and increase my capacity, which means there's got to be some other things that have to change. Okay, you follow what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I'm using that for, for my sake. I'm using me. Now, I can't tell you where, where is it that you're wanting to go because where you are is, is based on what you can handle right now. All right? The master gave them five, two, and one because he knew they could go and take at least that and increase it. Okay? You can't do the things you really want to do until... You, would, you, can incre- you increase what it would take to get there. All right? Now, when I was a kid, and some of you have heard me tell this story before, when I was a little kid, I used to go running through the hallways at my, my parents' house, and I would scream right before I jump in the room. I would say, ladies and gentlemen, and then I would jump into the room. Look at me. Now, I didn't have it, and everybody would stop. I mean, again, y'all have heard me talk about it. I sounded like this. From the moment I came out of the womb, I sounded exactly like this. I've had a deep voice my whole life and a loud voice my whole life. All right, so I would get everybody's attention, and then I would jump into the room, and as I jumped into the room, I didn't have anything to say. So I got my big moments, but I didn't have anything to say when I got there. And I'd run down to the next hall. My mom would be in the kitchen, and I'd be coming around, ladies and gentlemen, and I would jump into the room. I didn't have anything to say once I got there, so I'd just turn around and walk back out. What are you saying? My capacity was to get everybody's attention, but my capacity was not to hold everybody's attention. Do you see where we're going with this? Listen, you may be having your big moment right now, or you may be looking for your big moment to get, you may be looking for the raise. You may be looking for the promotion. You may be looking for the business deal to close. You may be looking for the new job. You may, whatever it is, you may be looking for the visitation of the angels. You may be looking for Jesus to come and appear at the foot of your bed and lay the finger of his, 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 his hand in your palm so that you have an anointing to go minister to the sick or whatever. You may be waiting on that to happen. But listen, if it's not happening, where are you at right now? Where are you at right now? What is it about your pre-existing condition that is not allowing those things to happen? Are you going to, if you get your big chance, are you going to bury it in the ground or are you going to increase it and double it? Somebody that's praying for a lot of money, what would you do with it if you got it? Some of you single people that are believing for a spouse, what would you do if they, if they said yes? Would you increase that opportunity or would you bury it in the ground because you're afraid it's going to leave? Some of you that are in ministry that are praying for God to use you more in ministry, what would you do with your big ministry if you got it? Have you increased what you are so that you could contain it if you got it? Now I'm going to give you a little formula right now. All right. How do you determine your current capacity? 
All right? This is how you tell where you are right now. All right? Your current ability, okay, plus your current resources, plus your stewardship of both of those equals your personal capacity. Now, let's just look at these real quick. All right? Your current ability, what is it that you can do? All right? What is it that you're capable of doing right now? What is that? You want to, if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, let's just take that because I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, you know, comes to church wants to hear something spiritual anyway. But let's just take that as an example because everybody in this room wants a, a deeper walk with God. Your deeper walk with God. Okay, so let's identify your ability. What can you do? Can you read your Bible? <laughs> okay, that's one. That's ability. Okay, can you pray? Can you talk to God? Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. Um, um, can you, can you share Jesus with somebody? I mean, yeah, we can all do that. All right. So what are we doing? We're, ex- we're identifying our current ability, what we can do. Okay? So then you have to go and you've got to look at the resources that you have. What are your resources? Well, where can you do those things at? Okay? How can you do those things? All right, listen, if, if you can read your Bible, so, all right, I can read. Yes, that's ability that I have. So now I have to go and check, do I have a Bible? Because if you don't have a Bible, obviously you can't read it. But so what are we doing? We're checking for our resources. Resources. So, all right, uh, if, can I pray more? Well, yeah. I mean, you don't really need, I mean, do you, do you have air in your lungs? That's the only resource you need in order to pray is you need to be alive. So, okay. Uh, I mean, so what are we doing? We're checking out where are these things that we can do these things. All right. Now, here's the one, though, that really hits everybody. It's the stewardship. That's a big word. We don't like to use that because that's a church word, but stewardship is basically are you taking advantage and using those resources and that ability? Are you actually doing it? Okay? Now, if you can say those three things, uh, yes, on all three, and, and I'm doing all three, you know, I have all three, then you are actually, you can actually look and see what your capacity is. Because if you're doing all three of those things, then your relationship with God will be exactly the amount that you use those three things. Which means this, okay, if you want to go deeper in your walk with God, then all right, if your current ability is, I can read the Bible, my current resources is I have a Bible, then guess what? What needs to change? The stewardship. Which means what? I need to read my Bible more. If I want to go deeper with God and I can pray and I have air in my lungs, then guess what? Come on, somebody. I, I guess I got to just pray more. Now, I wish this was one of those, those ones where, you know, you, you speak and it, it's like a, you know, the oracles of God comes out of my mouth and it's just like, this is such a spiritual thing. This is nuts and bolts Christianity right here. Okay? Listen, if you want to go deeper in your walk with God, then you have to use that last one right there, your stewardship. That has to be... That has to be moved up on the priority list. Because if you have that ability and you have the resources and you're still not getting the, you know, I mean, great example. We have all this sound equipment, all this stuff, and, 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 and you know, we can buy the latest and greatest technology, but if we don't use it correctly, it just is kind of a waste, isn't it? You know, we got stuff back there in the back that I'm sure I, we don't use, ha- you know, I wouldn't say half of it, but some of the stuff I know, we, we don't use because we don't really know how to use it. All right? So 
our stewardship isn't bad because we, we take care of it. We, 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 you know, we got it hooked up right. So what would be another thing if our capacity to, is not increasing is, well, our, probably our ability needs to be worked on. Now, any of these three things need, can be changing at any point in time because these three things might all be different for somebody. All right? We need to be doing everything we can to increase our personal capacity. So how do we do that? All right? Now, unfortunately, when people start thinking about their walk with God or, or things that are spiritual, when you think about personal capacity, you, you think if I just, you know, if I can just pray enough, or if I can just get a word from God, or if I can have a dream, or if I can just see a vision, or if I can have an angelic visitation, or, or whatever. Let me tell you something. Those things do not increase your personal capacity. Listen, you can, have, you can have an angel stand at the foot of your bed and call you to go to the nations, and you're going to have a, you know, a ministry that's going to save millions of people, and, and you, could, you, could, you, know, you could have a vision where Jesus actually comes to you, and, and, and from that point on, you and him float around on the clouds together. And, 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 and Listen, you can still come out of that vision and still be the same guy sitting there in the chair that you are right now, and nothing will ever change. So it isn't just a word from God. It isn't just a move of God. It isn't just, oh man, I really felt it in church today. The Lord was tugging at my heart. That doesn't increase your capacity. Most people believe that God's given them a word that's going to automatically change them. Now, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in a Pentecostal church where everybody had a word for everybody. I mean, almost like the pastor at church would just be like, almost afraid to be like, praise God, he, 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 we would close every church service like that. All hearts and minds clear. And it was almost like everybody cringed at that moment. It was like, oh God. Because we know there's about three or four people that are going to stand up and keep us here another 45 minutes to an hour. Because they always, always had a word for everybody. All right? But listen. The word from God is not automatically going to give you anything. All right? If you get a word from God, it's not going to, it, 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 it's not going to give you the capacity to do that. All right? it's, it's basically like this. If God's given you a word, he's not going to go and manage that word. It's up to you to manage that word. If God speaks something to you, it's not... Listen, I appreciate Craig's testimony so much. He was like, you know what? The Lord had really been dealing with me about applying for this job at Disney. This server job at a restaurant. Now, if God's been dealing with him to do that, what if Craig never does go and apply? But I felt like God really wanted me to do it. But, but well, okay, then go do it. What if he didn't? We wouldn't have heard the testimony that we had last week about his new job, okay? When God gives us a word or blesses us with that, that feeling that he's tugging at my heart and we know that he's there, uh, if we do see the, you know, the, the thing that's going to encourage us about the answer to our prayers, the scripture that jumps off the page or whatever, it isn't guaranteeing us anything. It is speaking to our future potential capacity. Now, that, that went over and hit that back wall right there and came back and bounced out there. He's speaking to your future potential capacity. Now, we just did a big series on potential. Potential is the ability to be more. But it has to be in the right environment. It has to have a... Remember all that? Okay. 
So if the word or scripture or anything like that is speaking to your future potential capacity, then it's up to you to management. Manage it, all right? If you don't increase your capacity, you'll never see that scripture fulfilled in your life. If you don't increase your capacity, you'll never see that word God gives you come to happen in your life. Now, for time's sake, uh, you can look it up on your own, 1 Samuel chapter 16. If you're following a new version, it's in there. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is the story of David. When David gets anointed to be king, all right, now the prophet comes to his house. Now, the prophet coming to David's house would be like the biggest celebrity that you think is awesome coming to your house. For some of you, it might have been Frank Sinatra. Other people might have been Elvis. Other people, it might be you know, the Hillsong United people. I mean, it could be, I mean, there could be all kinds of different versions of this, but whoever it is that you think that you'd really like to meet and would be a big celebrity in your life came to your house. This is what happened when Samuel the prophet came to David's house. The prophet in Israel was the man, okay? We're talking like everybody wanted to be there. And so David comes before him, and he gets out his horn of oil, and God says, this is the guy that's going to be king. So Samuel pours oil on his head and anoints him and says, you're going to be the king. Now notice what David does here. David does not immediately get up and go find a metalsmith to measure him for the crown and start walking around with a robe with his faith confession. Come on, somebody. He didn't go and start wearing all these rings and stuff, you know, with, with I'm the, I've been spoken over by God to be the king. And he didn't tell his mom or his, his parents to call him your majesty, didn't tell his brothers to kiss his ring, didn't, none of that. He didn't start acting like a king, he didn't even start calling himself a king. And, and listen, there's so many people that get a word from God about stuff like this and they don't do anything to develop themselves, they just start speaking that. That, that over themselves. I'm a king. I'm a king. I'm a king. And that's, what, that's where a lot of it ends. This is, I, I'm walking on it. Okay? This is not in my notes. Right? A lot of people, they, they, they will get a word from God or something in Scripture, and they, they stop right there. That's it. God's got it under control. Listen, God gave a specific, audible word from the prophet to David. And David never one time walked around and be like, I'm a king, I'm a king. Kingship, come forth in Jesus' name. He never did that. Never walked around, told anybody else he was or anything. But what did he do? David immediately goes back and starts working in the fields with sheep. Immediately. That's the first thing he does. What is that? That's his ability. That's what he can do right now. That's what he can do now. So he goes and gets in the field and starts watching sheep. Now, what happens while he's out there watching sheep? Now, let's, let's, let's talk about what it means to lead sheep. David's leading sheep around. Now, if you've ever seen a real shepherd, now I'm not talking about the, the cute pictures around Christmas with the guy with the hook and the, the bathrobe and the, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a real shepherd that's living out in the woods with the sheep. And when he walks, they are so tightly around his legs that he barely can just—he can barely move because they're really, literally following him that close. Okay, and you can go study this out. When they talk about those guys leading sheep, that's how they led sheep. They literally would take one step, and the whole herd would turn, and because they were right there, knitly tight up next to him. All right. 
Now think about this. That's something that would seem so trivial. How is that going to help you govern a country? Well, it's helping you learn how to lead. It's his current ability. All right, so then he goes, and while he's there, one day a lion comes walking into camp. Now you, go, you can go study this out. He, he says this to King Saul. I'm watching my father's sheep, and one day a lion comes in. Now I used to think, what kind of lion are we talking about here? Are we talking about like a cougar, you know, or a mountain lion? Because that's no big deal. I mean, those things are about 150 pounds. I think I could take a cougar. Personally, I do. I think I could probably take care of that. Okay. So I had to go do some research. What are we talking about here? All right. I mean, we're talking like it's the big dog. I mean, if, if that's all we're talking about, okay, I, I can get a, a baseball bat and do some damage. But no, this is, this is the actually, in that day and time, we're talking like African Mufasa from The Lion King. Okay. We're talking... We're talking Simba here, all right? They used to roam that part of the world. And so we're talking a big daddy lion. And, the, I mean, if, you, and if you read it, and the Bible actually says what kind it is, because it says, I grabbed it by the beard. Well, cougars don't have beards. <laughs> I should have noted it. But anyway, grabbed it by the beard and smote it and killed it, all right? So then, does that make him ready to be king? Because I, I'm pretty sure I know guys that kill, have killed lions, and man, alive, that's like a benchmark in their life. In Africa, when you kill a lion in one, one of those tribes, that's what they do. They send boys out in the woods. You was talking about 300 the other day. Those guys had to go hunt wolves when they're kids. We're talking about 14, 13, 14-year-old boys having to go out and write a passage to be a man. You have to kill a lion with your bare hands. That's a benchmark in a lot of people's lives. But this isn't what stops David. David's going to go, and now he's applying his stewardship here. He's killed his lion. Now, what's the next step? Well, the next couple of days later, a bear comes trundling in. Now, a bear's a big deal, too. I mean, think about it. We're talking nine, ten-foot-tall, Kodiak, grizzly type of thing, you know, and then big, the big claws. David kills it. Now, again, you ever seen some of these guys that hunt and do these kind of things? They got the big bear claw necklaces and stuff like that. This is a benchmark in people's lives, but this doesn't make him ready to be king. But what does it do? Now it's, he's ready now to fight, come on, Goliath. What's, what has happened? His ability has increased by him going back and doing what he always did the best way he could do it. He kills the lion, kills the bear, goes and stands in front of Goliath, and there's Goliath threatening the whole country. What's David do? Same thing he's always done. Uses his current ability, and then he has to go and look. What resources do I have? It can't be resources that somebody else has given him. Saul tries to put his armor on him. That doesn't work. I don't need somebody else's resources. I need my resources, what I have available to me. So he goes down to the brook, gets five stones. It's his resources. And he kills Goliath. And saves the whole country. Now you think about this. Saved the whole country. Now if that doesn't get him ready to be king, I don't know what does. But does that make him king? No. But it does put him in position. See, every time he does one of these things, it's putting him in position for the next phase. And they say, what's happening? His capacity is getting bigger each time. 
So he marries into the family. Now he's got a natural right to the throne. If something ever happens to Jonathan, I'm, I'm in the family. I've got a natural way to get there too. All right? But then he goes to work for Saul, playing the harp, sitting in there in all these secret meetings when Saul's throwing spears at people and turns around and throws one at him and yelling and screaming. What's he doing? He's learning how to be a king. He's increasing his capacity all the time. It finally ends with him running for his life from the king so that the last steps that he can have the integrity to be a king. And as he's standing there, twice he could kill Saul, and he doesn't. Now, when it's all said and done, and Saul kills himself, David, through the whole time, is like, nope, I'm not going to, not going to, not going to. His capacity was increasing all the time. And eventually, David becomes king, and even now, they say he was the greatest king that Israel ever had. You increase your capacity by taking your resources, taking your ability, being a good steward over both, and allowing God to increase you. Amen? We'll pick up from here next week. Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you.